0: Greetings, Alpha Seekers. So uh, I popped on today uh, because I got something from Seeking Alpha uh, from a gentleman who is nobody of any particular note, perhaps more notable than me, but uh, not a CNBC talking head or anything. But he is suggesting selling puts on Facebook. And uh, he, you know, Facebook, I think, went down to like 315 today. And I don't even have the number in my head of, in terms of how much it's gone down. But it's gone down pretty bad, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And his thought is you can't fall off the floor. So when a stock goes down... uh what we call the implied volatility or the cost of insurance uh, against further dips goes up, right? Because the market makers are like, hey, you know, the probability, it's like if you've had, like, I have four claims in four years in your homeowner's, then, you know, our friends at Chubb decide to double my premium. It's the same thing with a market maker. They're basically, when they sell you a put, they're insuring the stock against Fall and they try to, they try to, or uh, sort of diversify their risk by uh, shorting the stock so that they try to stay what's called delta neutral, meaning they don't, they're indifferent to whether the stock rises or falls. But still, uh, you know, they want to get paid for that risk. So uh, that's how that works, and. So you can make a pretty juicy premium if you have a view, as they say. You know, a, a market maker, the, the person on the other side of that trade, the market maker, is trying to stay uh like a bookie in a football game. They're trying to balance the both sides of the game so no matter who no matter who wins the game, they make money on what they call the vigorous well the implied volatility of the premium you pay for the option is the bigger issue, essentially so they try to diversify out of their uh, underlying risk on the stock so no matter which way it moves you know it's a win win which is what everybody wants right so uh, you know if you have a view they don't they don't want to have a view they don't care they want to not care whether facebook goes up and down because the. You know, they're like a hedgehog. They know one big thing, which is nobody knows which way it goes. So they're not punters. They're not betting. They're just trying to be the middle guy, the bookie, the broker. So, but if you have a view, if you think, hey, how far down could this stock go? You know, so I'll sell my 295 puts on a stock that's at 315. I'll make my 10 bucks and I just sit there and wait. And if it doesn't like if the if the put the puts have expirations, right? So you're only insuring these things for so long. So if by the third week of November, or whatever it is, the stock is above two ninety five or whatever your level is, your strike price, then you just pocket the premium. If the stock goes down, then you'll wish you didn't sell that put. But let's say you got ten bucks and the stock is at two ninety five or your puts at two ninety five you got ten bucks to sell the insurance, so if it goes to two eighty five uh, you break even and you make a few bucks you know anywhere between two ninety five and two eighty five you make a few bucks if it goes below two eighty five you're gonna wish you never did that trade so um what I said is well, look it um I think I like that idea because there's got to be a bottom, right? And Facebook still makes a ton of money, so, and they probably will continue to make a ton of money, but uh, they're under enormous amount of pressure. I have been negative on Facebook for a long time, just because I can see there's an orchestrated campaign against them. So, let's say this guy's wrong, which you know, I know the feeling. You don't want to have an unlimited downside. So if you just sell insurance, if you sell a put, uh, you're you're going along for the ride all the way down. Well, you don't want to do that. So what's kind of neat about options is you can you should always in fact trade these things in what they call a spread. So in other words, you sell an insurance policy on Facebook stock for two ninety five, and then you buy. An insurance policy at two eighty five. Okay, so you limit your uh, potential loss to ten dollars for every share. Okay, so if you sell one contract, that's actually hundred shares. So uh, your maximum profit would be whatever the premium is less the cost of that second leg of the of the spread. Okay, so. The way that might work, and I'm making these numbers up, but you—if you're selling the uh, 295 put, or yeah, you're selling the 295 put for 10 bucks, it might cost you five bucks to buy the 285. And uh, so it's like selling a life insurance policy and then buying a life insurance policy at different maturities or what have you. It's not a precise analogy, but you get the idea. And you can't really do that, but uh, in the option world you can. You can, you know, sell insurance at a certain level and then buy insurance at another level. And the market makers is selling you that or you know, somebody on the other side of the trade is. So now you have a maximum loss of ten bucks, and if you sold your two ninety-five for ten bucks and you bought your two eighty-five for five bucks. Your maximum profit is five. Now, do you want to do that trade? Eh, maybe, Maybe you do, maybe you don't. And those numbers are just made up. So they'll change. I mean, they change every minute, you know, depending on where the stock is. So, you know, if you do that trade now and the stock starts approaching your level 295, well, you already bought your 285. So that's... That is actually gonna increase in its value. But if you still believe in the trade, you know, you could you could uh well let's not get into that because that's a little over my skis. So anyway, that's that's what I would probably do. Um but what's interesting, I saw a guy on CNBC today, he wrote his name down, and he's an analyst and he used to be a product manager for Facebook, and he was like Very cynical, of course, about the government, Uh, you know. And also, you know, I wrote in my little comment on Seeking Alpha that Tim Cook's fingerprints are all over this hit on Mark Zuckerberg. You know, we talked about the fact that uh, Apple has made it more difficult in the name of privacy. They've made it more difficult for Facebook, for example, to track your behavior on the web and all in the name of privacy, right? Well, you know, many years ago, Scott McNeely said, you know, your privacy's dead, get over it. I mean, everybody knows what you're up to and the EU has put in place this uh, GDPR, uh, which is the General Data Privacy Regulation. so, you know you go on a website now and a box pops up and says are you will you let us put cookies on your on your box and i always say yes some people say no well the ones who say no you know you're kind of concealing your uh behavior from that website and so what you know all they're going to do with that is try to serve you up Stuff that you're interested in Now some of that's going to be advertising Some of it's not So you may think well I don't like ads So I won't get any But you do really like ads I mean if you see an ad for a concert you want to go to Would you rather not know about that Like I went to see Leon Russell Out in uh, One of our listeners I ran into out there And then he died Like a year later So I was glad I heard about the concert Would I not want to hear about that This was out at Brandon Estes' place out in St. Charles. I can't remember the name. Great place. Arcadia, I think. Haven't been there since the pandemic, of course. Probably never go there again, actually. But that was good. You know, I've seen lots of bands out there. Todd, Rundgren. I want to hear about that. Now, you know, you can get an email or whatever. But if I get a web ad, that's fine. If I get an ad on Facebook, that's fine. You know, as if I get an ad about, you know... I was gonna say something. Let's say I get an ad about uh, laundry detergent. I don't care. I don't do laundry, so I have people for that. You know. So anyway, uh, I I think that privacy thing's kind of a crack. And of course, they're getting ripped for all these things that they've, you know, the Rohingya thing in Burma, the, the, the all these religious persecution war. You know, people are jerks. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's not Facebook. It's like people hate each other, and they love to hate each other. And so hate is engaging. So Facebook hasn't decided to be the emotional censor, uh, except when something real bad happens, like some genocide. And then they're like, eh, can't do that. Or you got an insurrection on January 6th. Eh, can't do that. But they, they throttled Trump big time. Um... Uh, in the run-up to the election. And there are people who, you know, don't like that outcome. So they tried not to get into that, but now they're into it. And so they've got all sorts of problems. But the the reason I went into the Tim Cook thing is, you know, by cutting that access off to Facebook, Tim Cook has really put the hurt on a lot of social media. And I think that it's sincere Uh, Because it hurts all these folks like Snap and Pinterest and, you know, everything. Even the ones that aren't Facebook. And YouTube, kind of not so much. Because YouTube runs on the Android system. But here's the thing, you know, Android's kind of ghetto-ish. Because all the people who are upscale generally run on Apple. So you're taking out that top demographic, and that's not good. Now, there's a there's a, there's a desktop world, too, and Apple doesn't have that much to do with the desktop world. But they do the mobile world. The mobile world is a big chunk of, you know, I think a lot of people, certainly I use Facebook a lot more than I w- than I would have if I didn't have it accessible on my phone. So whenever I'm sitting there ready to kill time, The first thing I think of is, I'll check Facebook. And it's entertaining. All right. So, but if I had to fire up the laptop, that would never happen. So they did the mobile first thing. And one thing you got to know about Facebook is it's very uh, resilient, they are nimble. When they figured out the mobile first thing, boom, did it. Now they've got to figure out a way around Apple's privacy. You know, that's harder. But you got to figure they'll figure it out. And there was another company called There's There's a social medium called Snapchat, which I don't really understand. I've got it on my phone, but I don't really know what it how, even how to use it. And they were relying on some of the Apple. Uh, remedies for this. I guess Apple's got some remedy. Well, that didn't work out so well. Their stock went down 25% when they reported earnings. Facebook didn't. And after hours, Facebook was down like 2%. So, (laughs) Facebook's not going to like trust Apple to help them out, you know. I mean, they hate each other. So, not that they really compete either because uh, Apple Not really in the advertising business, whereas Facebook clearly is. But uh, I also suggest that a pair trade here, which is to, you know, sell some puts on Facebook at that low level, but also do what's called a risk reversal on Apple. Now, I made 30 grand doing that one day, and boy, was that a good day That was my best day in the options business. I was really cocky, that next few, until I tried it again and again and again and lost and gave it all back. But, and then some. But, um, you know, I think Apple's in the catbird seat here because they don't rely on ads. And so this whole privacy thing, they're on the side of the angels there. And, you know, Congress is not you know, complaining about Apple. You know, Tim Cook's got some woke uh, street cred due to his sexual orientation. So he ain't getting beat up. You don't see him getting dragged before Congress every half of uh, every six minutes. In fact, he's kind of, you could look at him as the puppet master. You know, this was a big change. And it's hit people very hard who are in the advertising business, and of course, the Democrats aren't big fans of advertising, at least not the left, you know that sells stuff that's capitalism that's evil, and it makes for inequality so but we don't we don't lament apple uh inequality, you know those are a lot of rich people there too, right, but they're okay. Because they got an iPhone, you know? I'm sure AOC... Well, I don't know what AOC is. Or Bernie. But I don't know even... Bernie has a, a cell phone. But, anyway, you get the point. Which is, I think the environment for Apple is much more favorable, at least for the next, you know, six months or a year, till the midterms, than it is for Facebook or any of these other ad-supported outfits. And Google hasn't been taking too much heat either. You know, and they still have this Google AdWords thing. Now, that's probably getting hit to some extent. Uh, but, but again, they've got their own little phone universe. So if you look at mobile, Apple's got their universe. And that's the, you know, the right side of the tracks. And uh, Google's got its Android uh, world. And that's you know sort of the downscale. Well, Facebook doesn't have that, you know. The other uh, stock I like in terms of, I mean, Microsoft had a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, day today. A great report, and they they don't really get that much money off of the advertising because their search engine is called what. I'll bet you can't remember. Bing. Who uses Bing? Like I do every once in a while because I got Edge, Microsoft Edge browser. But Bing is like Bing Schming. You know, they're not making much money on that, which means they're not so exposed to advertising. Um, I just signed up. I just got a new gig, actually. Uh, New client. And they had me sign up for their uh, email. And I did it on Azure, which is... Their environment, it's a Microsoft environment that they use. And, boy, is it a lot easier than if you've ever had to get one of these corporate addresses that runs on Google. I, I cannot f- figure out how to do that. Whereas with this, boom, boom, boom. I mean, I know I'm a Microsoft guy. I came from a Microsoft shop, you know. So, Windows. So, Azure is cool. And they're doing well with that. Uh, they're corporate folk, but they're also, you know, consumer-facing. Uh, and they bought LinkedIn. And you never hear anybody, you know, call them LinkedIn because you go on LinkedIn, it's boring. It's all business. But it's really powerful. And, you know, people make a living off of LinkedIn. So so I like Microsoft. I like Apple. Uh, I think Facebook has some... Very, very intense headwinds. But nonetheless, that, that sell-in-the-put trade may work. And if I was going to play in those tech spaces, which I'm not really, what I might do is do what they call the pair trade, which is to do something bullish on Apple and maybe something bullish on Microsoft uh, and and kind of take a very conservative approach on Facebook. You could the other thing you could do is sell uh sell covered calls. That's the easiest trade there is to make an option. You buy some Facebook, buy a hundred shares, which would cost you like three thousand dollars. No. Thirty thousand dollars. And then sell calls against it. if you think it isn't going to pop too much because of all these undercurrents that are trying to drag them down. So, you know, let's say you bought it at 315 and you sell a 325, 30, maybe up to 350 call. You do that every week. You know, you can make a, a decent dividend on it. And if it runs up, you know, if you sold your call at, 325. If it runs up, it's a win-win, right? If it doesn't go up, you pocket your premium. If it does go up, you uh, make your ten bucks a share. So you can't really lose. The only thing you're going to regret is that if it goes up to 350, you're only going to profit up to 325. But there's no free lunch, of course. Um, however, if you think it's going to go 350, you could sell 350 calls. You know, you could do that every week. So that's a real easy thing to do. If I was going to advise people to get into options, I would say, you know, start with some covered calls, see how that works. The worst thing that happens when you do that is you're going to make money. That's the worst thing that's going to happen. So it's a safe trade. I mean, you might lose, you know, you might, but it, let's say we're going to be long the stock without doing options compared to that. You're going to make more money if you're going to hold a stock. Uh, if you sell the covered call and it doesn't run up. You might limit your upside. That's the, that's the trade-off. The other trade, which is real simple, is to just buy puts. That's why I got into it. I just wanted to go buy a put so I didn't have another great financial crisis disaster. But then once I got into it, you know, I had to go out and try all the tricky stuff. And then I lost half my money the first time I went into it. So, now this time, uh, the second time we've gone into it, we we probably have broken even to this point. And like I say, I'm going to take over the, uh, the steering wheel here and start trading again. My hands start to shake. But, uh, you know. It's what I've been following this, thinking about it for like 15 years. So I'm older and hopefully wiser and more experienced. And, you know, I'm more focused, going to do the biotech thing. And I'm even going to focus on this outfit, Abyssal Capital Partners, which I've decided I subscribe to a service. So, you know, this guy picks out stocks and he seems to be pretty good. So I'm going to kind of trade off of his positions or his views, and we'll see what happens. And I might throw some of my own in there. But, you know, this whole episode about tech, I'm probably not going to be doing that. One of the, one of the lessons, painfully, I learned last time on this is you've got to limit the number of positions. Now, in the biotech, as you may recall, you know, there are a lot of... Pss- there's a lot of positions you can just set and forget, like if I got a five dollar stock, the stock is an option, so I'm gonna buy the stock and just wait, you know, and if it gets approved, maybe it goes up to fifteen or fifty or whatever. I don't have to manage that trade; I just let it lay out there, you know, and if it even if it goes down to a buck, I'm probably still gonna just let it lay there, and I'll take the loss if it goes to zero, which it could uh other Things You know, you can buy a call. You can buy a call that's out there for six months or whatever and just let it sit there. So some of those are not hard to manage, and I might deploy. And these are going to be, by the way, small positions, you know, one lot, two lot, meaning a position that's bullish in a 100 shares. So if I buy a long stack, I'll buy a 100 shares because you don't want to buy odd lots. Brokers have trouble placing those. So, you know, if it's $5 stock, I'm putting $500 in. Uh, and if that turns into 5000 that's great, you know. Um, but most of these stocks languish for a long time, and then all of a sudden something good happens or something bad happens, and boom. Which is one of the things I like about them, you know. You don't have to sit there every day you know, when the market opens, when the market closes, and white-knuckle it, you know. And these are fairly straightforward, simple positions that you take. And you hope, you know, you, it's like drilling oil wells. You know, you drill 100 holes and you hope one of them's a gusher. Or angel investing, same thing. They say invest in 100 companies, hope one of them's a a, a unicorn. So, uh, so that's what I'm going to be focused on, but... Um, you know, this Apple thing I thought was was interesting and perhaps it's more interesting to me than you but that's the price you pay when you sign up for a free podcast. So, uh, the other thing that uh, is interesting is watching the Democrats implode here. Uh, The latest thing they're trying is a wealth tax like unrealized capital gains and they're going to tax like 40 billionaires. And do you really think these guys aren't going to be able to get around that? Come on. The financial advisors have already cooked up a bunch of stuff <laughs> to make these guys look poor for the taxes. And it's just whackamole, you know? But what they the good news is it looks like thank God for Joe Manchin. They're not gonna do this. Looks like this, you know, tracking uh, your bank account. That's probably not gonna happen. You know, the witch hunts for the IRS. First, it was six hundred bucks. Then they raised it to ten thousand. Now they're probably just gonna say, "I hey, forget about it." And then the other thing looks like they're not gonna raise corporate tax rates, which I thought for sure they were gonna do that. You know, and there's a little slack in there. They were, I think, I don't know, 28, 38, some 28 or 33. And they were going to lower to 25. Everybody thought that needed to be done. And then they ended up going down to 21. I thought they would at least jack at the 25. I mean, that's, you know, companies are so good at minimizing that. That's not going to break anybody's heart. But it looks like they're not even going to touch the rates. So, this Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin, I could not have named these two senators uh, three months ago. And now, they're my favorite people. So, and the notoriety they've gotten by holding out, you know, who could name Sherrod Brown, who's the big liberal Hiller, almost as famous as Bernie Sanders and AOC? And they seem to have saved the Republic if you're a free market kind of guy, which I am so uh so that's good, but I think they'll probably pass something that's like a yeah, two trillion one and a half trillion I think they'll probably pass something, but they may just come up with nothing at all. Pardon the noise here. I'll get out of this kitchen here. See, mobile phones, they are mold. So I take it whenever I go in the middle of a podcast. So, um, you know, the political front seems to have stabilized. The, The last BLM sign on my block got taken down. And it seems like... The VIX was down again today, like to 12, which is kind of the fear gauge. So it seems like, number one, my financial advisor was right. Um, he said, don't go out by buy puts. It's going to be okay. He was right. <clears throat> and you regular listeners know that I, you know, I tend to worry. So uh, smooth sailing here so far. You never know what's going to happen next. And uh, it does not look like we are going to have a revolution or anything like that. Because the Democrats are not, you know, they've formed the usual circular firing squad. It's amazing. Well, you know, they came in awful hot. Because they have a bare, 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 slim sliver of a majority. And they're going to change the world. Well, you know, you got to count the votes. So, I think when they nominated Joe, Joe just said, yeah, 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 whatever you guys want to do. And he kind of knew. Maybe he's not as dumb as he looks. He, he's not a Mensa member, I'll tell you that. But I think he just gave these left-wing people enough rope and watched them hang themselves. And he said, hey, I did everything I could. So, trying to protect himself against the left, his left flank. And he knows he's got the centrist people. So, you know, like Bernie never gets cynical, right? Bernie's been in Congress for 40 years, and he's probably further left now than he was when he started. Uh, but these, you know, lefties like the squad, AOC and all, or they may start to get a little cynical, which again is, like that's the 80s show, you know? We've gone through like what happened in three decades, in like three years. I guess that's the velocity of, you know, time speeds up in the internet age. So we went like, uh, 2018 was like, uh, George, or whenever this George Floyd thing happened. That was last year, I guess. That was like, you know, the 60s. And then the last year has been like the seventies, and maybe next year is like the eighties. You know, when all the all the hippies became yuppies, or at least their kids did. So and I get the sense we're swinging the pendulum, swinging back to to normal. Uh, this kind of one of the squad members, I think it's Iliam Omar. I can't remember which one she is, but she's in from Minnesota. And she's blaming the increased crime rate on incompetent police. Well, (laughs) you're the one who wanted to defund them, okay? So how does that work? So you're kind of seeing the mug by reality thing happen. Uh, Cops are getting shot, you know? It's like, hey, wait a minute. So uh, I'm not too proud, obviously. I'm kind of ashamed of many of my Mount Greenwood-type friends in Edison Park, I mean... That's the lowest vaccination levels in the city. Come on, guys. And Gail. And it's a BFD. I mean, you don't want to, you know, go out to those rallies in Mount Greenwood and start trying to talk sense into people. That it's a you know. And I God bless them, I hope they live through it. But uh, and now they're approving the backs. For pediatric use and adolescent use, in China they're vaccinating people down, kids down to three. So what happens if they start mandating vaccinations for public school? That could be the end of the public school system in some of these areas. They're kind of like the old uh, busing thing, you know. I'm not putting that in my kids. And the I, the science there is debatable. I think. Because the kids don't seem to be susceptible to it, although they they are more susceptible to Delta. And whether they're vaccinated or not, they can still be spreaders, as I understand it. They can be carriers. So the younger you get and the more robust the immune system, it's always harder to approve a pediatric use for a drug than an adult use. So... Not that I would be anti-vax for kids, but that would be something I would give a little more thought to if I was in a decision-making position. Either as a parent or a policymaker. So that's gonna be interesting. Anyway, I've kind of rambled on. Which is what this podcast is all about. I mean, there's no script, as you don't (laughs) have. Yeah, no doubt, anybody who's listened to this thing, even just now, but if you've been a longer term, I'm, I'm sure you know. You would never imagine that, hey, this guy, like, does no preparation. <laughs> you know, he gets one cockeyed, hair, brain scheme in his head, and then he just talks until he gets tired of it or has some mercy on the audience, but... Uh, No, there's never any script, so it's just whatever I stuffed into my head during the day, you know, mixes around in there and then comes out of my mouth at night, which sounds sort of disgusting, but that's not really the intent. So anyway, you know, I mean, you guys, you know, you guys asked for it. That's why I do it, because I love you. I love my listeners. There's not many of us or you, but you know I won't let you down as long as I'm breathing. I'm podcasting that's my that's my commitment to you in return for basically nothing just just play the damn podcast. you don't even have to listen to it, just you know turn it on and put them put the sound down make me feel like somebody listens so uh anyway that's it and enough about me and enough of this podcast I think so live long and prosper and uh I will be back again one of these one of these days maybe tomorrow you never know but definitely over the weekend you know there will definitely be one every week as long as I subscribe to the trip. I have not gotten the week magazine because of the mail being slowed, which is a Trump plot to there's a guy named DeLay, I think, who's the postmaster. And DeLay is not a good word, not a good name for a postmaster, you know. It occurred to me today there have not been any Second City shows. And part of that's gotta be the virus, but the other part is I'm sure they're having trouble figuring out what's well, funny, you know? They've had so much of this political correct stuff. I mean, if you could still make fun of things, you know, the skit would be they start you know, a blackout and they go, Okay, here we are at a corner on Grand and Wells. And somebody from the cast would say, Well, wait a minute, why why are we why are we downtown? Shouldn't we be in Englewood or Shouldn't we be in a West Side? Isn't that privileged? Uh, why aren't we in Boys Town? Because, you know, isn't that like cisgender? And they would just sit around and talk about an intersectional racism and the skit would never start. That would be the mockery. And at some point, I think we may get there because this is all nonsense in my esteemed opinion. In any event, I'll tell you something. It's Woke is the death of funny. You know, Chappelle was out there uh, making fun of transgender, and now he's going to get canceled. And he's black, capital B. So, you know, I don't know. Don Rickles must be rolling over in his grave, assuming he's dead, which I think he is. So that's it. Live long, prosper, and uh, talk to you later.